Very glad to have you all. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to John chapter 14. John 14, verse 1. If you have a pew Bible, there's a Bible in front of you. If you're looking for a Bible this morning, it should be one of these black Bibles in the pew there. It's actually on page 847. 847 is the Gospel of John, chapter 14. If you don't have a Bible, a personal Bible, you can take that Bible with you. Uh, today would be our gift to you. We'd love to give that to you. We've been going through the I Am statements of Jesus, reminding us who Jesus' identity is, and I honestly saved this one. I went out of order, uh, which is okay to do, I think, every now and then. And uh, I went out of order, and I saved this one for today. So I want to talk to us about the place prepared for us. And I believe in a small way, but a big way to our story, this place, this building, and this partnership with Valley Bible Church and, and the Russian Evangelical uh, Baptist Church and Crosswalk Church, uh, this, this was envisioned by God as a place for us, a place prepared for us in His plan. And yet, even today as we dedicate this building, we ask for God's help in keeping the sound message of the gospel to keep being proclaimed here, we know that this isn't the place prepared for us. This is a stop along the way, and it's a significant one. It's one that, that gives us a sense of, of homecoming and arrival that we long for. But what Jesus talks about is preparing us for that other place. So let's read it. Verse 1 of chapter 14. Let's read this together. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in Me. In My Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to Myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it is enough for us. And Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long? And you still do not know me, Philip. Whoever has, seen the whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. But the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or else believe on account of the works themselves. This is the word of the Lord. Jesus is speaking to his disciples today in a place of great anxiety to them. Why is it that Jesus comes to them and tells them about the heavenly dwellings that await, the preparation that he is making for them? He must have known that they needed this right now. They needed to hear. 
They needed to have a sense that he was going to continue to help them because what Jesus is anticipating here is the gap. The gap that is coming. These disciples have been following Jesus. And then think about it. In Jesus Christ, they have found a home. The, the scriptures say that the Son of Man had no place to rest his head. He went from place to place. He was homeless. They became homeless with him. They gave their life to following him. They left their professions and they followed him. And they found in him that sense of arrival. You are the one. You have the words of eternal life, they said to him. Where else are we going to go? You have what we need. That arrival that destination and Jesus is looking at them right now and he's knowing what is about to happen that there's going to be a gap and he's going to leave and they're going to have to figure things out until he comes again and he comforts them with these words about the future coming and that tension that gap exists here today for us too don't we feel it isn't it true that coming to Jesus is at one time, on one hand, like coming home and a sense of arrival? You have found the words of eternal life. You found who you were looking for. And at the same time, to become a Christian is to start a journey somewhere else to the end. Next, next week, we're starting Advent, the season where it leads up to Christmas, and we celebrate what? The coming of Jesus. He came in the flesh. He added flesh. And He came into the world, but at the same time, how can we say that? How can we celebrate that without knowing and experiencing that He is coming again? There's a gap there. There's a gap. And the whole tension of the Christian life is, is in that missing piece. What we sometimes call the already and the not yet. The, the fact that Jesus has come and He will come again. The fact that we have what we need and yet we need a greater home. That we live in that gap. And so for us, on a, on a day like this in a building uh, dedication, we acknowledge that. That for us, the New Valley story, seven years long now, today is like coming home. We've been, so to speak, in the wilderness of a church plant. And we've been wandering through different places. And in a sense, God has given us this home to be our place. Along with the many churches that are partnering here. But of course, we're going to say that this passage isn't about us fully getting a building. It's about coming home in a different sense. It's about the closing of that gap. And in a sense, the, the home that we're coming to today as we've said from the beginning, is really just a lease. I hope it's a 100-year lease, a 150-year lease. By God's grace, maybe it'll be a 200-year lease, though none of us in here will be there. But at least nonetheless, we're here until God brings us to the place prepared for us. So that's what I want us to see today. As we look at this building and this place, what are we doing? We are preparing for the place prepared for us. A little bit of a tongue twister there. We are preparing for the place prepared for us. Isn't that what Jesus is doing here with His disciples? He is preparing them for the place that is prepared for them. How does He do that? How does He comfort them? How does He come to them and help them be prepared? 
First, he acknowledges a problem. Then he offers a path. And then he describes the place or the destination. The first thing he does to prepare them for the place prepared for them is that he acknowledges the problem. The passage begins today with this word of Christ over them and over us. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Why would their hearts be troubled? What are they anxious about? Well, they're anxious about the future. That's what all anxiety is, isn't it? Anxiety is always about the future. I mean, even if you're anxious about something that happened in the past, you're, you're really anxious about how that might have an implication for you for the future. Anxiety is always about the future, and this is what the future is. For them, Jesus is leaving. He's been hinting at it, and now He's not even hinting anymore. He's just telling them straight up. And there's verses before what we have printed for you in the bulletin, but verse 33 of the previous chapter says this. Jesus is not being subtle about it. He says this, Little children, yet a little while, I am with you. You will seek Me, and just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. Can you imagine hearing those words from Jesus Christ, the person with whom you found a home, the place that you have discovered where you, the words of eternal life are. You've given up everything. You've stopped fishing some of the disciples. You've put away tax collecting. You've followed Jesus Christ and wherever He laid His head, that's where you laid your head. And now even then, even while they were following Him and He wasn't saying these things, it must have occurred to them, what is the end game here? I mean, are we just going to keep following Him until all of us die? And then what happens? Much more now, because Jesus is saying, I'm not going to be here much longer. And the toll that must have taken, that anxiety that is produced, and Jesus says, do not be anxious about this. But that problem exists in all of us. It's a universal human problem. This desire that we have for a destination, an arrival, but we don't know the way. We're not sure exactly which direction it is. And that actually, that, that tension there is what our church story is really about culminating in today. Because for a long time, we looked for an identity as a church. We've been around for seven years. Some of you uh, don't know the, the full history of our church. Uh, so let me just give you the overview version of it. But next week, it's amazing when Pastor Dave spoke about um, all the things that have happened in November. This, this was actually their anniversary. 61 years uh, next week for Valley Bible Church. Next week, or in the next couple of weeks, sometime around here, and next week for us is seven years. It's seven years. And as he shared, I think in the first service, there was two churches that came together uh, to form Valley Bible Church, right? And then today, uh, in November, there's two churches that are, that are joining together at this place as well. If you don't know our story, this is how, basically an overview of it. The first leg of our story was um, for us searching who's going to shepherd this church, and uh, in the beginning year, Scott Brown, the senior pastor of New Valley Church, now in Chandler, was the church planter. So for the first year, 
uh, he would drive down from Awatuki or myself. I was on staff at that church as well, and I would preach here occasionally, and Scott would be here most often. And so he planted this church first for the first year, and then uh, everybody got tired of that, <laughs> the drive and the distance, and we hired uh, someone named Greg Schneeberger. Greg, uh, many of you know, was faithful shepherd of this church for 18 months, and uh, some of you came to this church while he was uh, the pastor, and then he got a call to move back close to home uh, near Santa Fe, New Mexico, and so then I came onto the scene as the third pastor of a three-year-old church plan, and it was not easy. Most of you have been, some of you were here in that season of it not being easy, and maybe it looked more easy on the outside than it actually was. But amazingly, when I came onto the scene, not everything was healed all at once, right? Not everything became better. Um, and we really got into the second leg of the journey out of that, that place of hardship. What we did as elders and as staff is we turned and we prayed and we fasted, and then we led some of you who were part of the church, into a season of praying and fasting. And there were people all over the country, actually, praying and fasting for our church because we had some problems. We were in a location that wasn't very good. We were running out of money. And we didn't really have that sense of mission and vision that we felt like we needed to have. And what happened out of that prayer, out of that fasting, was an amazing work of God. And it was a work of God. What He did was answered all of the specific prayers that we were praying for over a period of seven months. We were praying for a place. Within six weeks, we were signing a lease at Hope Women's Center on 16th Street in McDowell that we had looked for for three years almost. During that time of praying and fasting, he answered that prayer. That year, we finished in the black for the first time ever as a church, financially speaking. And what we did is what we should have done uh, in the, in the first place, which was that we actually went back into my living room. We relaunched this church into Hope Women's Center in 2018. We spent six weeks talking about our mission and vision, about inviting people in. We began to grow even during that season, and then God launched us into Hope Women's Center, and we grew more. And then we really came into the third leg of our journey, which was now, how do we find a home? For a mo number of different reasons, we couldn't go to two services in that other space. So how do we find a home? A place to be. And that was a conviction for us early on. We had a, a vision for a place to be. A physical building. That sounds somewhat unspiritual these days. Some churches say, we don't have a vision for a building. We just want to... Uh, you know, remain light on that front and not have to keep up with maintenance and not have to have the expense of a building. But we actually said from the beginning that we wanted a place like this. A place, why? Well, we felt like with the things that God had given us and gifted us with, this sense of connection and hospitality, that in a city like Phoenix, Arizona, which is made up of millions of people who didn't grow up here, that we could actually be a home, a place, a home, as we say on the website, in the heart of the city, right here in the middle, where people could come and have a place to be, to get married, to be baptized, to eventually depart, dearly departed in the Lord. We wanted a place. So we had the destination in mind, 
but we didn't have the way. And we didn't know what the way was. And that way was covered in prayer. We had a little bit of money, but not enough for a down payment. We were open to a long-term lease somewhere, but God closed all of those doors. As we talked with them, people would not rent to us, either because we were a church in the first place or because we were a church that teaches the Bible as the written Word of God in every, every sense and doesn't always culturally go along with what everybody thinks. And so we were rejected in many places. And through prayer, lots of prayer, we finally found our way to this place. And what we found out was, as fast-forwarding a year later, as we sat down with the first conversation with Pastor Dave about a possible transition and partnership, is that we realized that we'd both been praying for each other. During that time, I had driven around and put, logged many miles in my truck looking at different buildings and praying over different buildings. And I remember at least three distinct times, if not more, pulling into the parking lot here and praying. God, is this the place? Is this the place? Is this the destination? We don't know the way. And then to hear, as we sat down with Pastor Dave now almost a year ago to start this discussion, to hear him say, that's exactly what we've been praying for. We've been praying for the mission and vision of our church And it seems that God has worked this out. And there wasn't a dry eye in the room as we talked about how good and faithful God was in bringing these stories together for a home, for a place, for a destination. These little places that He gives us, these little small P places, little lowercase h homes along the way are important But the primary thing that this place, this place that we have gives us is the opportunity to offer to everyone the path. Because that's really the main thing that Jesus is talking about here. The path. The way. What is the way? We have a problem of anxious hearts. What is the solution? What is the path from that anxiety about the future? to a destination. It's through a path. What is the path? Verse 4 tells us what Jesus says. And you know the way to where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The purpose of a small place like this is for us to proclaim the path that Jesus gives us, which is Himself. Do you notice how Jesus, when He talks about Himself here, He gives us everything that we need for the way, for the path. He says, I am the way. Isn't that what our hearts long for? Is for a sense of direction, a sense of purpose in life. The Greek word there is telos, like a telescope. Like if I think about the vision of my life, what is that way? And Jesus says, I am that way. But not only that, I am the truth. See, it's not enough for us to really to have to choose any direction. Any one of us could say, well, this is the pathway to life. But what would what would verify that? What would be the reason for that being the path? And Jesus says, I am the truth. 
satisfying this need that we have in our minds and our hearts to not just go in any direction, but to go in the right direction. Is it enough for us that we just know what the right direction is and that we choose to go in it? Well, that could be all that we had, but Jesus says, I'm also the life. And elsewhere, he says, I come that you might have life and have it abundantly. I'm not just an intellectually true thing that you should follow after. I'm actually the source of what life is in and of itself. All of these things are found in Him. What the Scriptures say is, is there is a path, and it's a true path, and it's full of life. And it's found in Jesus Christ. It's not found in anything else that we might want to pursue. It's found only in Him. There's a great story by Leo Tolstoy, you know, the great Russian author. He wrote War and Peace and uh, Anna Karenina. And in this short story, it's called uh, How Much Land Does a Man Need? How Much Land Does a Man Need? And it, it talks about this man named Packham, and Packham desired land. That's what he wanted. That's what his heart was set on, this pathway to being a wealthy landowner. And he actually says out loud in the story, if I had enough land, I wouldn't even fear the devil. And in the story, the devil overhears him. And as Tolstoy tells the story, uh, the, the devil sets up this elaborate plan and this life uh, for Packham. And Packham actually succeeds in his life. He gets his wishes. He starts acquiring land and more land and more land. And he's not satisfied. And more and more and more. Finally, it culminates in this situation where a man under the influence of of the devil in the story says to Packham, I'll give you as much land as you can cover in a day. So here's the rules. You start out as far as you can go. You can draw a big circle and you have all day. As long as you make it back to this spot by the end of the day, then I'll give you as much land as you can encircle. Packham takes the deal and he starts running away to gather as much land as he possibly can. And as the, the midpoint of the day comes and the sun's overhead, and the midpoint really of his life, as we're told is, or indicated, he realizes in the midpoint that he's gone too far. And that he's going to have to really hurry to get back to the place so that he can have the land. And so he makes the circle and he comes back towards the place. And it's dramatic as the... The sun is setting, and he's running as hard as he possibly can back to this place. And as the sun finally goes down behind the sky, he lands back at the place where he started from, and he dies. And then Tolstoy ends it with a little moral, which I think we need more writing like that. Everything's so subtle these days, but Tolstoy's just straight up. He said, how much land does a man need? About six feet from head to toe. Is the point, is the path of life to draw the biggest circle around whatever it is that we can get our hands on? That's the way many of us live. To, to be able to circle as much wealth as we possibly can. To be able to circle as much influence as we possibly can. To just circle as much uh, experiences, pleasure, and, and we just draw this big circle. What is the point if we reach the finish line and die? 
I say that there's something different stamped on your heart, something only that Jesus Christ can satisfy. Ecclesiastes 3 tells us that eternity is built in our hearts. He has set eternity in us. You have a bigger destination than when you can mark out with your life. There's actually a path, and the path is Jesus. The way, the truth, and the life. And you find that path by turning away from all other paths, whatever path you're on towards whatever goal or destination it is, whether it's your own influence or money or power or whatever it may be, you turn away from that path and you follow the path of Jesus Christ. You lay down your life and you follow Him. And then you are on the true path. And there is only one. Verse 6 tells us, no one comes to the Father except through Me. Is that offensive? Doesn't it just make sense? Pa different paths lead to different destinations. And with the claim that Jesus makes is that this path leads to the way, the truth, and the life. Or as Peter says in Acts chapter 4, and there is salvation in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. It is found only in Jesus Christ. And in Jesus Christ, the problem is resolved. The problem of an anxious heart. The problem of having an eternity built into your heart and nowhere to direct it. Direct it towards Jesus Christ. The true path. And as we consecrate this building today and we dedicate it to His to God's purposes, my commitment to, to us and my prayer for our future is that this will always be a place where the true path can be discovered. Where people, us, come in every single week with troubled and anxious hearts and we hear the Word of Christ over us, don't be troubled. There is a way. There is truth. There is a life, and it's not found in you having to mark it out. It's found in you following what Jesus has given us. There is a way that doesn't end in meaningless death. Where does it end? Let's describe the place as we close today. Jesus acknowledges the problem. We have troubled hearts and don't know where to go. He offers to us the path. The answer to the problem is to follow Him in everything. But a path implies that there's a destination. That there is a place. How do we begin to describe the place that can actually satisfy the eternity built into our hearts? Jesus says that there's two longings that are answered in this place. Two deep longings that you may not even be able to name, but that I believe are nonetheless true of you. And the first longing is this. You're longing to see God. Verse 8. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it's enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long you still don't know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? 
See, Philip, is, he's got a real longing here. And it's actually a biblical longing. Show me the Father. He's echoing there the words of Moses in Exodus chapter 33, who said to God, Yahweh, show me your glory, please. Show me your glory. I want to see you. And this, Moses, is leading people on the path to the promised land, wasn't he? But even he knew, and he didn't actually get to go to the promised land. He didn't actually get to get that physical lower P place that God was taking his people to. He didn't get to go there, but he knew that his, the heart longing was much deeper than that. To see God. To behold his glory. And God says, hide in the cleft of the rock and I'll pass by. You can see from the back side. He shows them a hint of his glory. And what Philip is saying, I want to see that. I want to see the Father. And Jesus says, don't you see that that thread that runs through the Scriptures to see the glory of God is now found in me. Jesus. He is the way to see the Father. And then 2 Corinthians 4.6, this is what Paul says, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. And where is that? It's in the face of Jesus Christ. To see Him is to see the Father. And so, we don't see Him face to face right now, but we will see Him face to face as the Scripture says. And that satisfies a deep longing in us. The church used to have a word for this. We've forgotten it. But it's all throughout church history. It's called the beatific vision. The beautiful vision to be able to see God face to face. That to join the angels and the saints in heaven to proclaim His glory as Isaiah and Revelation tells us there's a 24-7 worship service going on. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And to us that seems so distant and, and we don't even know what that would even be like to experience seeing God. And yet... It's a deep longing in us. Show us the Father. And Jesus says, you can see the Father through me, but there is a place where you will see both of us. And that meets that longing. And the second longing that's met in the place is this, that we get to be with Christ. What is Jesus' promise here? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am you may be also. We get to be with Christ. This home that the disciples had found in Jesus, that many of us in this room, and when we experienced Jesus Christ, when Pastor Dave sat in this pew over here and heard the gospel for the first time, and, and then later became the pastor of this church, I mean, he, we, hear, we experience meeting Christ. And we think, this is where it is. And Jesus says, when you get to this place, that's the way it will be forever. To be with Christ is the only place where the eternity of our hearts meets the eternity of satisfaction. It's in Jesus. In the, in the place that He has prepared for us. It's the only place where there will be no more anxiety over the future. Wendell Berry, one of my favorite writers, he wrote a poem 
And I'm going to read it to us as we close today. It's only four lines long, 21 words. Yet it stirs imagination in my heart for the place. And he says this, There is a day when the road neither comes nor goes, and the way is not a way, but a place. The deep longing that all of us have for the end is eternity built within us. Jesus Christ is the way. But what does the way imply? The way implies that there's some kind of destination. There's some kind of arrival. What is that place? It's a place where we can see God and be with Him forever. Right now, our job is to proclaim the path. There is a path here before us. And the path leads to the right way, the true way, and life forever with Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I pray that we would be able to hear your words over us this morning. Let not your heart be troubled. That whatever we have brought in this morning, in terms of anxiety about the future, that you would calm it and satisfy it in this, that we have you. We have the way, the truth, and the life. And we have the Father also. Help us to believe in God and believe also in you. And by trusting in you, you would root us in this path that will lead us home. We pray that you would come quickly, Lord. The small places where we find comfort and help are only pictures, Father. We want to see you. We want to be with you forever. And we ask that you would be with us as we come to the table and give us strength for our journey. In Jesus' name, amen.
inside the waters you filled my cup oh how i have settled for lesser love how can i thank you thank you lord my Yeah. 